2: Welcome to another episode of History for Weirdos.
1: Happy March, Weirdos.
2: Happy March, guys. I think this is a big month for you. So not only is it International Women's Month, and you are a woman.
1: A woman? A a (laughs) woman.
2: The last time I checked, you are a woman.
1: I am women's.
2: You are women's. And you're also a social worker, and it's also Social Work Month.
1: Yes, that's right. Thank you, babe. Happy Women's... I don't know if it's just like Women's Month or Women's History Month. I think it's both.
2: Oh, yeah. I never really thought about it.
1: Yeah, because co- there's there's International Women's Day on the, during this month. Okay. But then it, this is also emphasizing uh, women's contribution throughout history.
2: Right. And a lot of weirdos we've covered have been women. So it kind yeah. of goes hand in hand, I feel like.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And then you're right. It is Social Work Month. So happy Social Work Month to any of my fellow social workers I love what you do. Thank you so much. Well, I love what you do. Oh, thank you. I think
2: social workers get, um, they need more positive rap or they need a more positive rap. Yes.
1: You know know what's so funny that you mentioned that? What? Guess who made a video talking about that and talking about how important social workers are? You're never going to guess.
2: LeBron James. No. Uh, Hold on. Hold (laughs) on. Let me think of someone. Mm, Is it Lady Gaga?
1: No. No. I feel like you're close with those two guesses, though.
2: Are you serious? Yeah. I'm I'm literally just like, Katy Perry?
1: No. It was... Ludacris.
2: Luda! Isn't
1: that awesome?
2: (laughs) That's really cool. Ludacris was one of those rappers I listened to like very religiously back in like 2006, I think. Absolutely, he was a staple. He was a staple.
1: I love Ludacris, Uh, and so I love that he did that. All my social work friends on social media have been resharing the video.
2: That's actually really cool of him. I know,
1: so sweet. And we will be bringing you all, as always, lots of wonderful weird content this month, highlighting a lot of women. Yes. As, as you mentioned, we tend to do anyway.
2: Yeah, we typically do because, again, history for weirdos, we usually highlight folks that are underrepresented. and that's often cool. women. I mean, I'm an ancient history guy, right? I feel like you guys should know that by now. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you might be new here, and that's okay.
1: Get out. Yeah. But- <laughs> oh my god!
2: I love the dichotomy between our two responses. I'm like, you know, it's okay. Listen mean, to more episodes. I'm sure you'll figure it out. And, I'm like, and then get then out like, of here. Get out of here. <laughs> but especially in the ancient world, women were typically not spoken about unless they did something that was either extraordinary or looked down upon.
1: Yeah, or they're mentioned often in relation to the men in their lives, whether positive that's, or negative.
2: Right. Yeah, that's actually probably the most. Mm -hmm. frequent time they're mentioned
1: I think from day one ladies were overlooked (laughs) probably (laughs) so there's a lot of ground to cover here
2: (laughs) that's so true though honestly
1: I will be talking about a famous female in today's episode so I
2: know what your episode is about Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because I this is a character character this is someone that I have heard about like ad nauseum right but I don't I hardly know anything about her.
1: Well, let me ask you then, Andrew, today we are covering Florence Nightingale. What do you think of when you hear the name Florence Nightingale?
2: So I know for certain she was a nurse.
1: Mm-hmm. Correct.
2: And I know that a lot of dudes were really into her. Mm. And I think she was a nurse during like World War One, I, I mm-hmm. wanna say
1: all right you guys take notes on what andrew said and we will see how accurate he was at the end (laughs) guys
2: that's like literally all i know (laughs) that's all i know
1: well good thing that i'm here to tell you things
2: absolutely i mean where would where would our relationship be where would history for weirdos be without that
1: without that dynamic specifically yeah i don't know
2: we no one knows it's provocative
1: (laughs) well let me jump into the story (laughs) okay weirdos often called The Lady with the Lamp. Mm.
2: Interesting. Mysterious. Very mysterious.
1: Florence Nightingale is known as a caring nurse, so you were correct there, and a leader. In addition to writing over 150 books, pamphlets, and reports... What? ...on healthcare-related issues, she is also credited with creating one of the first versions of the pie chart.
2: Okay, hold the phones. Okay, the pie chart, as in like... When you're building an excel model and you need to have a pie chart that pie chart yeah okay that's really cool
1: mm-hmm. that's
2: like that's the other nerdy side of me guys i have my history side and then there's like the data
1: yeah you and miss nightingale overlap in the data for the sure data. yeah
2: i love me some data you'll
1: hear more about it
2: Ooh, i'm excited okay yeah. let's hear more
1: so she was an english social reformer statistician and she is largely considered the founder of modern nursing.
2: Wow. Okay, that's it's a pretty big deal.
1: It's a pretty big deal. Uh, she was born on May twelfth, eighteen twenty.
2: Oh no, she definitely wasn't a World War One nurse then.
1: No, you got that one wrong. That's, that's okay wrong. though. You're you you'll see. Um, <laughs> guess where she was born.
2: Okay, you said in England, right? Or London?
1: No she's british but where was she born
2: stratford upon avon
1: stratford upon avon no she was born in florence
2: oh my god are you serious yeah wait like florence italy
1: florence italy but she's a british citizen okay through her parents of course
2: do you think she was named florence because of where she was born
1: yes because her older sister Frances parthenope was named after her place of birth. France. Parthenope, a Greek settlement, which is now part of Naples. Napoli. Napoli, the birthplace of pizza.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that was, the birthplace of pizza happened a lot of time after the Greeks settled Napoli. But still, A little bit after. Just slightly. Sometime after. Sometime after. <laughs> it always goes back to that one saying, or someone wrote like, The Julie- Yeah, that meme, like, Julius Caesar was assassinated well over 70 years ago. Like, yes, that is correct, but I hate it so much.
1: Well over 70 years ago (laughs) is accurate. Yeah.
2: Also, if you're on our Patreon, you can see the shirt I'm wearing. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, join the Patreon so you could see Andrew's amazing shirt. It has a graphic image on it. Dun, 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 dun,
2: dun. Dun, dun, dun. I'll
1: leave it at that. So, let's get back to Florence. I just think that's so cute that the parents named them after the that cities they really were born. That is
2: really cute. Imagine if you were you were born in like a really ugly sounding city name.
1: I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, what if you were born Parsinope? in... Parsonope?
2: Like, well, I was going to say, like, what about like Fresno? Ooh. Oh, no, Bakersfield.
1: Oh, you just offended our I'm Central saying, Valley weirdos. No,
2: not because of... No, the name is just <laughs> ugly. Yeah. Not like the place. Yeah. The name is really bad. But anyways, sorry. Sorry to offend you guys, but... <laughs> moving on
1: (laughs) actually fun personal fact because i love sharing those even though no one asks (laughs) i (laughs) i grew up going to bakersfield all the time weirdos so shout out to my bakersfield weirdos
2: (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool
1: (laughs) okay so florence came from a wealthy and well-connected british family her parents were william edward nightingale and Frances, or fanny nightingale smith the family moved back to England in 1821, so when Florence was one year old. Okay. She came from a historically very humanitarian family for the time. Florence's maternal grandfather was a very famous, so her mom's dad, right. was a very famous abolitionist. Oh, that was very cool. hmm And a Unitarian... Um, minister? Not minister, but like at, like active Unitarian. His name was William Smith.
2: Were Unitarians similar to the Quakers?
1: They have a similar vibe to Quakers. Okay. For sure.
2: I remember we talked about this once when we were in Boston.
1: Yeah, because I had insomnia one night in Boston and I learned pretty much everything there is to know about Quakers.
2: It was. I mean, truly, guys. I'm not lying. Like, I woke up and she was regaling me all about Quakerism. I'm like, I don't, I n- don't remember asking about it, but I am, I am pretty intrigued. I'm not gonna lie.
1: Quakers are awesome. If there are any Quakers listening, I love you. You guys know what's up.
2: And you guys make great oatmeal.
1: No, they don't like that stereotype. No, <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I just
2: said that because I wanted to hear Stephanie's reaction. No,
1: that's a stereotype. <laughs> but Unitarians essentially. Have a similar philosophy to Quakers in that it's much—it's a much more like equitable approach to religion and God, and everyone has their own relationship with God. It's less of like a from the top they're telling you what to believe approach.
2: So much more grassroots and I believe decentralized.
1: yes, and I believe this is the case for modern Unitarians is that you could be another religion and be a Unitarian.
2: Very interesting.
1: Yeah. So they're very- um,
2: Like spiritual?
1: Very spiritual, very peaceful, very um, like anti-establishment almost, which is cool. Righteous. Pretty rock and roll.
2: Pretty rock and roll indeed.
1: So her grandpa, Nightingale's grandpa, Smith, had been a member of parliament and he was really instrumental in bringing political rights to religious minorities in england very cool yeah i think that's a cool dude so and florence's father believed in this really weird wild concept of educating women kind of
2: gross i'm very against that yeah (laughs) so (laughs) talking to my wife with a master's degree so against it
1: (laughs) and because of this he educated both florence and her sister in History, mathematics, Italian, classical literature, philosophy. But from a young age, her favorite subject was collecting and analyzing data.
2: Oh, it wasn't ancient Rome.
1: It wasn't ancient Rome, but it was like stats, basically. Disappointed! (laughs) As a young woman, Nightingale was described as slender, graceful, but with a, quote, severe demeanor.
2: Oh, so she was a weirdo.
1: I feel like severe demeanor is kind of a passive-aggressive way of saying that someone has rbf
2: a resting bitch face yeah
1: right a severe demeanor
2: that actually i didn't think about it like that but i think you're right
1: yeah, yeah. so despite this severity in her <laughs> appearance severity of her demeanor yeah
2: <laughs> so dumb
1: she was said to be very charming and to have possessed a radiant smile lovely like like me ah, thanks babe i'm just
2: rizzing her up don't (laughs) worry it's my own wife
1: (laughs) um so let me give you a little bit of context at this time when florence nightingale was a young woman nursing wasn't actually considered a well-respected profession
2: right right this is too it's too early for that
1: yeah it's too early they don't they don't know shit about what they're doing with medicine still no they don't um most women didn't work at all right particularly if you came from a good which meant rich rich wealthy wealthy, usually white british family uh women weren't expected to work at all they were just expected to get married and have kids
2: yes we've seen that in media where even even later right like the women who shouldn't or like don't have to work right and they choose to do so it's frowned upon
1: it's really stigmatized
2: (laughs) which is absolutely bonkers thing about in today's terms because like everyone has to work it's everything's expensive
1: yeah you need a a dual income household for sure but at this time um nurses were associated with living in poverty i I see partially because their their work was undervalued and underpaid and also because a lot of times nurses were nuns whether Catholic or Anglican nuns. So they had taken vows of poverty anyway.
2: Oh, I see. I didn't know that.
1: Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't like exciting when Florence wanted to be a nurse for her family. They were not <laughs> happy about it. She told her parents that, I, I know all the messy parts of this, but I still want to be a nurse. Her parents didn't approve. And they really were like, just think about getting married and having kids. Um,
2: just think about just it. Just think
1: about it for a little bit. And she did have suitors throughout her life. Her most persistent, shall we call him, suitor was a politician and poet. That's a dangerous combination. For anyone who dates men, stay away from politicians and poets.
2: But, like, what about the combination?
1: That's what I mean. The combination is what's well, dangerous. John
2: F. Kennedy said that poets should be politicians. I but
1: don't he know. also
2: cheated on his wife, like, insane. Like, I, I'm generally like pretty favorable to jfk yes but he did but as was a, not a partner good husband. yeah he was a terrible husband as a
1: spouse i don't know <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> um so this man was named richard monckton Milnes. that he courted her for nine years oh my god that's why i said he was her persistent suitor
2: i mean clearly he was in her.
1: he was really into her for nine years of like trying to riz her up <laughs>
2: I love us throwing, like, the Gen Z lingo into this. (laughs) I actually, I I genuinely kind of like that term, Riz, because it comes from charisma. Yeah,
1: I think it's cute. I think
2: it's cute as well.
1: But she finally is like, dude, you're not getting the hint. (laughs) I'm rejecting you. Do you...
2: Okay. Can I ask a provocative question? Yes. Do you think she was even into men?
1: Probably not. I don't think that's that provocative. She didn't seem to show... She had a lot of male friends, um... That she would, like, correspond with and share, like, intellectual ideas and data with. But she didn't seem interested in anyone romantically.
2: Right. And that's that's what I meant, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so she says, I'm rejecting you. Get over it.
2: <laughs> Get over it. Because
1: she was, at this point, convinced that marriage would interfere with her ability to follow her calling as a nurse.
2: I think that's wise, actually.
1: And that's the thing with uh, women who famous women throughout history who remained unmarried. We don't know, like Louisa May Alcott, the author of Little Women comes to mind. We don't know if it's because they were gay or possibly even like transgender or asexual. Like it could be a bunch of things or it could just be that within the context of their time, they weren't down for the rules and regulations that came with marriage.
2: Right. That sounds, I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable to me.
1: Because, like, today, ideally, hopefully, getting married doesn't mean you lose your freedom and your ability to work.
2: Exactly. But it
1: absolutely meant that for most women throughout history.
2: That's a really good way of putting it. Because with, like, our marriage, like, I'm not like, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. Like, we're a marriage of equals, and that didn't happen back then.
1: Did not exist. It was super, or I'm sure it existed, but very rare. And Correct. it would be really hard to convince someone who's very passionate about their profession, whether that's writing or nursing or anything else, to give that up to be married to someone you probably are like, I kind of like you. You know? Yeah. Doesn't seem like a fair trade.
2: No, that's not at all.
1: So even though her parents did not approve of her decision to say no to this poet politician guy. Right she was insistent that nursing was her calling and she was going to study nursing so i don't understand a lot of the background about this but it seems like based on the timeline her dad was like oh my god what if i just give you money to travel the world maybe you'll forget about it (laughs) so wow
2: that's actually pretty cool i'm not gonna lie
1: right so she travels the world on dad's dime lucky lady and she has some cool experiences on her travel. She goes all over. I was super jealous reading about this. I'm jealous. Well, you in, she was in Rome <sighs> in 1847 when she met a man named Sidney Herbert, another politician who had been the secretary uh, of war essentially. Mm-hmm. And he was on his honeymoon. So she became friends with Sidney Herbert and his new wife and he became he would become the secretary of war again
2: later on so he's really into war
1: that's his aesthetic yeah that's his brand
2: like how you said that without missing a beat
1: (laughs) and this friendship will come into play later on in nightingale's career
2: okay so it's a friendship it's not anything more you don't think
1: no her friendship with this couple will be instrumental in pushing her career forward i see which we will get into in a bit
2: do you know that we actually in the united states have a secretary of war it's not called that anymore but it was one of the first cabinet positions ever created
1: that's very american
2: secretary of defense now
1: yeah wink wink Uh uh-huh that's some rebranding right there
2: rebranding indeed
1: (laughs) so later on she was traveling and you're gonna be jealous again oh god athens greece
2: (sighs) i'm not jealous not jealous.
1: And while there Nightingale rescued a juvenile owl because a group of kids were bullying this little baby owl and she named it Athena.
2: That is so on brand. So guys Athena is the founding like god of the city of Athens right with the yes. ancient Greeks and her symbol is literally an owl.
1: It's an owl. Like she...
2: if you were to see old like in the Peloponnesian War when the Athenians are fighting the Spartans. you would see, like their banners had this like big owl with the big eyes, mm-hmm. and that's that's been its symbol for like thousands of years.
1: That's also why even today we associate the owls with knowledge or wisdom. So a lot of right. like um schools or tutoring programs or textbooks or whatever will have owls on them. It's because of Athena. Look at you. Yeah, <laughs> I know some stuff. Um, so when
2: she guys when. Stephanie talks about ancient history and she's like, even like giving me some knowledge as a husband. So proud.
1: Oh, thank you. So proud. (laughs) Uh, So she keeps Athena. She carries her around with her. the rest of her time, her life in her pocket.
2: Are you serious?
1: Athena just chills in her pocket all the time until Athena passes away. Eventually. That's
2: so cute. Yeah.
1: That's her little buddy.
2: That's awesome.
1: And then later on this journey, this kind of like exploration around the world um nightingale is in thebes
2: thebes or greece or thebes uh egypt
1: oh i think egypt okay cool Mm -hmm. that's a good distinction um she wrote in her diary that while in thebes she was called she felt called to god and then a week later she's in cairo and she writes again in her diary god called me in the morning and asked me would I do good for him alone without reputation. And that sounds really old-timey. This was her interpretation of God asking her to become a nurse. Wow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is
2: really interesting.
1: So her dad's plan doesn't work. Sending her around the world doesn't get this out of her head.
2: (laughs) It only strengthens her resolve, it seems like.
1: Yes. So eventually (laughs) her father allowed Florence to go to Germany for three months to study at Pastor Theodore Fleidner's Hospital and School for Lutheran Deaconesses.
0: Wow.
2: That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful indeed. That's right, because Lutheran, even though it's similar to the Catholic Church, they allow female like like their equivalent of priests.
1: That's right. I wonder I wonder if this it's a school for Lutheran deaconesses, but it must be a nursing program as well, similar to how nuns are often trained as nurses at this time
2: i'd say that's that's a that's a fair like assessment
1: Mm -hmm. so after finishing her program in germany nightingale goes to paris this lady
2: this lady is Mm -hmm. like just living the dream right now she
1: really is and she gets extra training there with the sisters of mercy it's not (laughs) it's not a metal band it's a group of nuns
2: that's the most hardcore name for a group of anyone
1: the sisters of mercy it I
2: don't it sounds like a biker gang
1: Ooh, yes it does yeah like Like an
2: all-female biker gang
1: (laughs) so by the time she's 33 she's trained uh training was much less regulated I should say and much less formal for nurses at this time but she's trained in nursing and she's already making a name for herself as a very good nurse in the nursing community
2: that doesn't surprise me
1: She returns to England in 1853, and she is given the post of superintendent and manager of a hospital for, quote, gentlewomen.
2: Gentlewomen. In
1: London. This whole time, by the way, when she's in Germany, in Paris, and she's working in London, her dad gives her an allowance. So I do want to say that she is a wealthy woman. She's not living... The way other nurses of the time are living.
2: Right. And it's similar to the writers of the time. Yeah. right? Who they usually always. Or
1: poets. Or, yeah.
2: They always come, not always, but majority of the time they come from wealthy families.
1: Yeah. Like, that can kind of bankroll this passion.
2: Exactly. So weirdos, don't feel too bad if you're just not living like a dream life right now. It's hard.
1: You don't have a rich, noble family to bankroll your passions. Right. <laughs> Neither do we. Neither do we. <laughs> So, now, Andrew, we get into the war that she kind of serves in. It's the Crimean War. Oh. So, not World War I.
2: Okay. So, yeah, I was off by like 70 years, roughly.
1: That's pretty close in my book. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and for context, the Crimean War lasts from 1853 to 1856. Okay. It is a war between the Russian Empire... And an alliance of the United Kingdom, France, the Ottoman Empire, which is like more or less now Turkey, and Sardinia.
2: That is so interesting because also this must be the first time that the English and the French are actually like allies. Yeah. They must be like, this is kind of weird. Like, yeah. And now like obviously like they've been allies like since. but For a long time, yeah. For a long time. But prior but like to this. Centuries. Centuries. Yeah. Always fighting each other.
1: But this is, this little gang teams up. Against the Russian Empire and the war is named the Crimean War because of the Crimean Peninsula which is located on the Black Sea.
2: Right and that's there's still fighting going on there.
1: Mm-hmm. It's the southeastern tip of Europe it's kind of like in between Europe and Asia mm-hmm. like that official line I guess imaginary line. Right. I had to look it up. <laughs> so sadly... In addition to the casualties of this war, there was a lack of medical supplies, overcrowding in the hospitals, and really unsanitary conditions for these soldiers. This, of course, led to a high mortality rate, not from war or battle, but from disease. This war marks a turning point in Florence Nightingale's life and career, her, this is where a lot of her contributions will get her eventual fame. She's given a post serving as a nurse in this war because she is friends with the secretary of war, the guy that she met in Rome.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good guy to know.
1: Mm-hmm. She was appalled, of course, by the abysmal conditions and the mortality rate that she heard of. So Florence Nightingale, along with 38 women volunteer nurses volunteers and 15 catholic nuns are dispatched dispatched excuse me to a military hospital in scutari which is close to modern day istanbul
2: okay so yeah in turkey modern Mm -hmm. day turkey
1: when the team arrive they see that the hospital is overcrowded the medical staff are completely burnt out so they're not really paying attention to the patients which is understandable but sad right They are running out of medicine. Um, Everyone's hygiene is neglected. Mass infection is everywhere. And there is actually no equipment to prepare food for the patients.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Isn't that awful? So people are sick and hungry.
2: That is terrible. You would think
1: they would just... How are they like... uh, This disorganized? Right.
2: Like the logistical...
1: Especially with such a, a large alliance of different empires.
2: Right. I mean, resources clearly isn't the issue. It just seems like, wow, like, I mean, the Romans figured this shit out, like, 2,000 years ago. Like, yeah, you really can't, like, keep your supply lines running like this?
1: It's very odd. It was absolutely neglected. Right. Um, so Nightingale sends a plea to the government of UK, to her government, saying explaining what she's seeing right she's like we need help this is what's going on these people are dying not from their battle wounds but from infection like they're getting sick here right and the british government then commissioned a prefabricated hospital that was built in england and shipped to this team in the ottoman empire
2: <laughs> so they built <laughs> that's so weird
1: isn't that the strangest solution
2: It's a very odd solution but i mean okay i guess
1: the result is what is known as ren hospital a civilian facility it had to officially be that under the management of a british physician named edmund alexander parks uh, was able to take over with the wounded soldiers And this facility had a death rate that was less than one-tenth of what the previous facility had.
2: Okay, so these changes were obviously effective.
1: Very effective. Nightingale was a big part of those changes. She quickly stepped in. She was known for her meticulous organization, emphasis on cleanliness, and introduction of sanitary practices like having all hospital staff wash their hands.
2: Which is crazy to me that like doctors couldn't, understand that you needed to wash your hands. Yeah.
1: Isn't that wild?
2: <laughs> and especially like knowing like, the you know, that doctors, especially surgeons do like that crazy hand washing, washing. routine. Yeah. Oh yeah. That like they go for minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Any doctors want to like correct me on that, please do so. But it, it seems very extensive.
1: Mm-hmm. It wasn't these little changes or what we would think of as little changes were very significant to the patients because it reduced mortality rates by a ton the stats that were originally given in victorian england that were reporting on this people now believe were exaggerated just to get the public like amped up i guess like excited because it said that the mortality rate went from 42 percent to two percent
2: do you think that's true
1: no most people don't think that's true now okay yeah but it would have been a significant decrease um, it just seems like the data was a little flawed. I think the reporter just honestly said, whatever <laughs> came to mind. <laughs> well, I don't think they were actually looking at the data.
2: It got a lot better, but, but they just got a lot better. Mm-hmm.
1: Gotcha. Exactly. And to see for Nightingale, to see her patients during the darkness of night, she was still all night. She was checking in on people. She carried a lamp as she walked among their beds. And this is how she became known as the lady with the lamp.
2: Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that, that she would need to do that because, yeah. you know, of course, there's no, like, electricity at this point.
1: Nope. It's just everything is very analog. I mean, these folks don't have, like, IVs in them. Their heart rate isn't being monitored. Isn't that wild?
2: It would be so alien, I think, to us today.
1: Yeah. So she's just walking around there all night with a little lamp. Apparently, she was very dedicated to her patients. So this experience... Being a nurse during the Crimean War influenced her later career when she advocated for sanitary living conditions for everyone as, like, the utmost importance in terms of public health, which is true. Uh, she was also able to reduce peacetime deaths after the war in the army. She was able to, like, consult with the army and tell them what practices to use to keep people alive so they're not getting sick from each other's germs. That's-
2: Probably for the best. Mm -hmm. That's good.
1: She also was able to help the British government establish some of these procedures in working class homes as well, like for the everyday person.
2: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's good.
1: She did a lot of good work and was really known as a compassionate caregiver. However, at this point in my research, weirdos, I came across critiques of Florence Nightingale. And I almost wanted to start the episode with that kind of disclaimer, but I wanted to take you all on the journey that I went through (laughs) while doing the research. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, wow, she's such a dope lady. And then it takes a turn and I want to give a holistic picture. So we're just going to jump into the critiques. So according to some secondary sources, Nightingale had a tense relationship with a fellow pioneering nurse named Mary Seacole. Mary Seacole, uh, she didn't call herself a nurse, but she nursed people back to health. She was a Jamaican-born mixed-race woman who ran a hotel-slash-hospital for officers during the Crimean War. Oh, okay. So it was a business, but it was a place where people could go to recuperate and be cared for in a less chaotic just, icky way i was
2: gonna say in less disgusting less disgusting cleanliness, conditions yes yeah, or higher cleanliness yeah
1: she is also considered a heroine and pioneer of nursing because in addition to this like hotel hospital business she had which i think is really smart she was also like on the battlefield helping wow people in real time That's i hard think just core. as a volunteer mm-hmm. so in sequel's own memoir which was called Wonderful Adventures of Mrs. Seacole in Many Lands. That's
2: Uh, adorable. That's so cute. That's an incredible title. (laughs) Right?
1: Um, She writes about only one friendly meeting with Florence Nightingale. She says that when she gets to uh, modern-day Turkey, she stops by the nurses that... Are working essentially under Nightingale at this point, and she asks if she could spend the night in a in a clean, empty bed. And she says in her memoir that she got it. But Nightingale, we have her letters to her brother-in-law, and she wrote that she was worried about contact between her work and Seacole's business, claiming that quote. While she was very kind to the men and what is more to the officers and did some good, um, she made many drunk. I had the greatest difficulty in repelling Mrs. Seacole's advances and in preventing association between her and my nurses, in parentheses, absolutely out of the question. Anyone who employs Mrs. Seacole will introduce much kindness, also much drunkenness and improper conduct, end quote. Okay. So, so she's th- bashing her business, saying that like bec- that the officers are getting drunk, and that she kind of looks down on that and doesn't want Seacole associating with her nurses at all.
2: So why is she mad though that officers are getting drunk? Is it just because they're getting drunk at the hotel?
1: Because she's a Victorian era lady, and it's not seen as proper.
2: But they're in. I mean, killing people isn't really proper. Exactly. It's very strange.
1: It seems like a harsh critique when it's like none of her business. And so,
2: I mean, she even says like, Oh, she's very nice and makes everyone happy, but also,
1: but people get drunk around her. Like she's, she's not getting people drunk. Her hotel serves alcohol and people are buying the alcohol and drinking it.
2: Yeah. I don't think she's like force feeding alcohol down people's throats.
1: There are other accounts that, uh, in, again, secondhand accounts that insinuated that the that Nightingale's negative perception of Seacole was largely related to her being a mixed race woman. That there's like a racial tension there.
2: Oh, where does that come from?
1: The secondary sources? Yeah. I don't know. I tried to find more information on that. I think it was... So Mary Seacole never said anything like that, but other people who observed them together did... I think Mary Seacole was being classy and just not addressing it. And also mm-hmm. probably not wanting to come across as like a problem with this lady who is making a name for herself. But we will see later. I'm about to tell you more stuff about her that lets me believe that that might be true. Okay. But really briefly, I do want to say that in 1990, Seacole was posthumously awarded with the Jamaican Order of Merit. And in 2004, she was voted as the greatest black Briton in a survey conducted in in the country. That's really cool. Yeah, so she's also a really cool, interesting figure. Like her memoir suggests, she did a ton of traveling and adventures as well.
2: And has a great name.
1: Yeah. So there were further discussions on social media that brought this to my attention that Florence Nightingale made really upsetting comments about indigenous people to Canada, which is a part of the British Commonwealth. So mm-hmm. that's why she's like in Canada's business. Um, <laughs> she believed that imposing British culture to indigenous Canadians was necessary. Anything else she believed and quote from her own book that she published would be simply preserving their barbarism for the sake of preserving their lives. This is in her book, Sanitary Statistics of Native Colonial Schools and Hospitals, published in 1863. Oh, my God. This is during a time when Native children are being forcibly removed from their homes and their communities to be, quote unquote, educated in boarding schools, which in and of itself is super traumatizing. Like, against your will, against your parents' will, you're being taken from your home. Mm -hmm. These schools are now infamous for their abuse and neglect of those children. In Canada, there have been mass graves of children from these schools discovered. Um, It's a part of Canadian and U.S. history. We had them here as well. That has long been overlooked. And it's an important topic that I can't do justice in this brief little side note, but I I do really want to mention it and recommend that people look into it more. Another thing that... (laughs) Florence Nightingale said in this book was, quote, there's nothing in the school education as described in the returns sufficient to account for the special prevalence of tubercular diseases in these schools. The causes must probably be looked for in the close, foul atmosphere of the native dwelling, end quote.
2: Oh, man. Florence Nightingale, you were so close to being, like,
1: A homie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so close. Obviously, so there were... um, Tuberculosis spikes in these schools, which is common when you house people, children, nonetheless, in crowded, damp conditions. So the, ro- the tuberculosis cases in the school is very indicative of the poor facilities that these kids are being crammed into. Mm-hmm. That's what that tells you. Right. It's damp, it's wet, it's cold, and there's too many kids in a room.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Like, of course.
1: And she's saying that it's because of native barbarism. Which is, like, beyond ridiculous and upsetting.
2: And also, like, the foul odor thing. It's like, it's so interesting that she was so meticulous, it seemed like, with, like, pathology beforehand. But then now, she's, it's almost like she's backtracking, saying, oh, no, it's in the air. It's the odor.
1: Yes. It was a common belief at the time. I think it's called miasma miasma that you get sick from bad smells or stale air um there are obviously diseases that can be transmitted through water droplets in the air but that's not what this is referring to
2: right it's like the actual air itself
1: Mm -hmm. uh these awful statements obviously and the fact that Florence Nightingale only ever agreed to train or hire white nurses. And we do know for a fact that there were a lot of in uh, the UK, a lot of black women applying to be trained by her or never admitted. Give credence to the argument that Nightingale held really problematic racist beliefs, which have been overlooked when people talk about her story. Right. Right. So I had to share this with you, weirdos, because yes, Florence Nightingale, Nightingale did great things and helped many people, but she was a flawed human being, and I thought it was better to give a holistic picture, not just the easy-to-digest version of her story.
2: No, and I, I agree completely. Like, we need to tell the truth, and part of that is trying to give, like, the whole truth, right? Not just the little snippets that are
1: Sounds easy. Sounds cool and sound fun. Yeah, exactly,
2: mm-hmm. or, or or even convenient.
1: Yeah, You know what was really disappointing about this is two things. One, the fact that I mentioned at the beginning she comes from a historically humanitarian family. And two, the fact that she faced so much adversity for being a woman in the medical field and couldn't use those two things to see how everyone should be treated with respect. Really upsetting.
2: Yeah. I don't have anything else to add to that. That is is just upsetting.
1: You're right. You would think that, oh, people question if I know stuff because I'm a woman. Maybe I shouldn't question if other people are right just because they look different than me or they come from a different place than me. Right. So dumb.
2: It's very dumb.
1: So I did have to say, share that part. And I, I really want the weirdos listening to interpret her story for themselves. Nice. With all of this information. But next, we're going to talk about Florence Nightingale Syndrome.
0: Ooh,
2: I know about this.
1: Because you had mentioned at the beginning that you think a lot of people fell in love with her, right?
2: Right, exactly. They're like, oh, this woman, love of my life.
1: Yeah. What do you think Florence Nightingale Syndrome is?
2: It's because I think... like these were like men who were wounded in war and all of a sudden you have this woman, whether she's attractive or not. I don't think that really even matters, Mm -hmm. but this woman comes and like is very tender with you and takes care of you and helps you heal. I think you're going to be very endeared towards this person, even like mistaking those feelings for genuine affection and love.
1: You're absolutely right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm right,
1: baby. (laughs) (laughs) So Florence Nightingale syndrome is also known as the Florence Nightingale effect. And it's when a patient or person receiving care, because it doesn't have to be in like a hospital setting. It could be like, my neighbor took care of me when I broke my leg, something like that, right? Or my therapist. Let's not go there. (laughs) Um, It's when that person develops emotional, romantic, or sexual feelings for their caregiver. So just what you described. Or... It's when the caregiver develops those feelings for the patient.
2: Oh, snap. I
1: feel like that's more scandalous.
2: That is. That's much more scandalous.
1: The thought behind this is exactly what you said, that it's like the compassion. And I literally wrote the word tenderness uh, required to care for someone is misinterpreted as romantic gestures or romantic feelings.
2: Hmm. Very interesting.
1: Very interesting. There's no record, though, of Florence Nightingale ever falling in love while on the job. Like, she never entered a romantic relationship with a patient. It sounded Um, like she never
2: got into a romantic relationship ever.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, And they... But it's possible that maybe men had crushes on her because she was really known for her compassion. So the exact origin of the phrase, though, is unknown. Many credit the movie Back to the Future.
2: Oh, no way.
1: With popularizing this phrase,
2: that's much later,
1: much that's later,
2: well over a century later.
1: Back to the Future, which it's one of my favorite film franchises ever.
2: It is a good one.
1: Shout out to my dad if he's listening, because him and I love having Back to the Future marathons. <laughs> um, so Back to the Future is released in nineteen eighty five, and in the film, for any of you weirdos who haven't seen it, shame on you first of all but in the film Lorraine Baines who's played by Leah Thompson develops a crush on a boy a strange boy who falls from a tree in front of her house
2: yes and she
1: takes care of him do you remember what happens with that plot point
2: yep that's his mother and she falls in love with her or him and Like it's, and I know there's like pictures and he's starting to disappear from those pictures because like, oh, well, she's into her future son and not the man who's supposed to be the father.
1: Yes. Yes. So in this movie, Marty McFly, he knows the story of how his parents meet, which is his dad falls from a tree in front of her house. Oh,
2: that's right. And
1: she nurses the dad back to health and they fall in love and they call it Florence Nightingale syndrome. But then when Marty starts messing with the timeline, he accidentally is the one to fall from the tree. And then his mom develops a crush on him, which is so gross. Uh,
2: I know. And I think she kisses him on the she, lips. Yeah. And it's
1: like, so icky. Um, so I just love that during my Florence Nightingale research that Back to the Future came up.
2: Incredible. That is that is a true history for weirdos moment. Right? Yeah. I
1: got to say Marty McFly on this podcast. Makes me so happy. <laughs>
2: And it was actually relevant. And it was
1: relevant, yes. (laughs) According to the American Medical Resource Institute. Oh, snap. Quote, nurses are taught to use compassion, a positive attitude, and TLC when treating patients. Such care has been shown to lead to better responses by patients as well as faster healing times. But nurses must be careful to maintain boundaries as building relationships with patients that are too close can lead to emotional and even ethical dilemmas.
2: That makes 100% sense. Mm
1: -hmm. And I want to give a quick shout out to any nurses listening right now. We appreciate you so much.
2: We do. My cousin, if you're listening, thank you.
1: And your grandma was a nurse. Oh,
2: my grandma. That's right. She was a nurse way back in the day.
1: We love nurses. So thank you. Back to Florence Nightingale. Our potentially problematic heroine. (laughs) (laughs) So in 1860, she established the Nightingale Training School for Nurses at St. Thomas's Hospital in London, laying the foundation for modern nursing education. Her emphasis on education, training, and professionalism elevated nursing as being, from being seen as a menial task. Like, oh, it's just like, I don't know, stigma of like, oh, you just clean up after the doctors right. type of thing to a respected profession. Excellent. In addition to her contributions to nursing, Florence Nightingale, as I mentioned earlier, was a statistician and a pioneer for using data in healthcare.
2: That you, is really cool. You I love mean, data. I love data. That's, that's where we definitely align.
1: She collected and analyzed vast quantities of data to improve hospital health hygiene and patient care. Her work laid the groundwork for modern nursing using research and evidence-based practices to care for people.
2: That's really interesting um, because it kind of reminds me, funny enough, of an interview I had about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed with this one company that was like an AI company within healthcare. Mm -hmm. It was like a startup. And it was literally using data to help predict and like manage outcomes.
1: Yeah, to improve patient outcomes.
2: Exactly. And it was – that's really interesting because I feel like that's what she – was trying to do but yeah. obviously in the 19th century
1: which is wild she Ahead didn't of her have time.
2: artificial intelligence back then she didn't even have computers
1: she did not that's a good point i know that as a um, as a therapist i don't know anyone who uses this ai but i've um you know been advertised it like targeted with ads for this uh, there's different programs that will listen to your session with a client they're supposed to be hipaa compliant which means they're supposed to not really be hackable and maintain your privacy so it listens to the session and then it starts to develop a pattern of understanding the client and it'll tell you based on what they said like what their diagnosis is what you what interventions you could use um and if you're talking too much as the therapist (laughs) it can
2: tell you that yeah i thought it would just summarize your notes
1: I have one that summarizes my notes that doesn't listen in on any sessions. This one it listens in and it'll like break up like how much the patient talked, how much you talked, what words they use the most, what words you use the most. Wow. What's changing in their diagnosis, what interventions you should use. It sounds really cool. I have no idea how people would feel about being a client in session and having that. I wouldn't mind, but just because I'm interested in that stuff. Right. Would you care? I don't
2: think so. Okay, so it's a nuanced, I think, answer that I have. Mm-hmm. So I don't think so if it wasn't hackable. But I'm also, I don't yeah. necessarily believe in the efficacy that it can't be hacked.
1: Yeah, you know, I agree.
2: That's a little bit suspect for me.
1: I agree. It's really, really hard to guarantee confidentiality with something like that. Mm-hmm. Overall... Back to our story. I forgot what we were talking about. (laughs) It's like her story too. (laughs) Love that. Uh, Overall, Nightingale gave nursing a favorable reputation and she became an icon of Victorian culture. And as we've seen, she really embodies both positive and negative aspects of that culture. Right. Mm.
2: Exactly. And she's a a nuanced person, right?
1: Yes. Definitely a product. Not, I don't like when people are like, oh, product of your time. That's like to excuse bad behavior. But. Definitely a product of her social standing, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, and in her general larger environment.
1: Mm -hmm. Her legacy continues to influence nursing education, healthcare administration, and the broader field of public health. She died on August 13th, 1910, at the age of 90. I
2: was going to say, that's really old.
1: Really old, especially for back then. It's because she was real good at that hand washing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And her impact obviously remains to this day because we've all heard her name before. As a historical figure, I think her story, especially like kind of almost like the mythical Florence Nightingale, really represents the importance of education, evidence-based practices, and compassionate care, Mm -hmm. which is so important. That's
2: really important indeed.
1: Today, Florence Nightingale is remembered by some as a trailblazer and a symbol of the nursing profession, though we know that many believe that her views were harmful and flawed and promoted very flawed patient care ultimately so she was both
2: right yeah like i said she was a very nuanced personality i think in general positive but there were significant flaws
1: exactly and that, my dear weirdos, is the life and legacy of Florence Nightingale, the lady with the lamp.
2: Wow, that was really incredible. I, again, like I said, I had no idea about her story. So the fact that she won, she was not a World War One nurse. Yeah,
1: that's a big difference.
2: That's a huge difference. <laughs> uh, that was really cool. Like I, I knew nothing, and now I feel like I, I could, I could talk confidently to someone and give surface level things about her like all throughout her life
1: that's the goal of this podcast really
2: right is just to have some interesting dinner conversations with people yeah because of the topics we talk about
1: i can't imagine because you thought she was a world war one nurse florence nightingale seeing trench foot she would have been appalled
2: (laughs) oh yeah it i mean shit i feel like i'd be appalled
1: the unsanitary conditions of those trenches is
2: it's nauseating to say the least
1: a thing of nightmares correct and as we wrap up let me quickly give my sources as i mentioned the american medical resource institute which i think sounds fancy the british red cross the national women's history museum a blog which was really interesting called nursingcleo.org and of course the book sanitary statistics of native colonial schools and hospitals by florence nightingale and lastly wikipedia
2: of course, wikipedia. Mm-hmm wow that again that was absolutely incredible
1: thanks so much babe thanks for listening
2: oh yeah thanks for telling me the story thanks for giving me story time it's my favorite time of the week
1: yeah there you go (laughs) weirdos we hope you enjoyed this week's story time as well and if you did please do not forget to rate review follow subscribe all the good things because it helps us to keep growing
2: exactly and if you are listening on spotify you can leave a comment mm-hmm. and let us know what do you think of florence nightingale yeah what did are your you thoughts know about her beforehand did you not like how do you feel about her now like after hearing about her story we really i love reading through the responses and yeah. especially like hearing your guys's input so please do so
1: yeah please let us know weirdos
2: and, well, that's all we have for you this week, weirdos. Until next time. Adios.
1: Adios. <laughs> okay.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.